You're listening to Metrics and Chill, where you'll learn how to improve key metrics that grow your business from companies that have done it before. In this episode, I got to chat with Dia Costa, senior sales at Metadata, to learn how he sourced 50% of all closed one deals on his own via Outbound. You'll learn his methodology for canned messaging and personalization and when he uses which type, the importance of understanding your differentiation in sales, the value of building his personal brand to make Outbound easier, and loads more. We covered a lot of stuff here. I hope you enjoy this interview. D, thank you so much for joining us on Metrics and Chill. I'm excited. I've been following you on LinkedIn for a long time. I've uh, been seeing a ton of orange avatars uh, in my <laughs> LinkedIn feed, and you're one of the more prominent. As I told you, you're, you have the strongest meme game on anyone in metadata, and I think that's how you grab yeah. my attention. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah. I try to keep it light. Um, everybody's so <laughs> serious on LinkedIn about silly stuff like that crying CEO that... You can't take it too seriously, but yeah, yeah. I love metrics. Um, excited to share how I hit my metrics, and it's been it's been fun getting to know you as well. So, yeah, likewise, yeah. it's been been fun chatting uh, off off mic a little bit. Um, and I will just say for everyone listening, I'm getting over some sort of coffee cold thing, and I they just the co- I can't prep for it. I can't hit the mute button in time, so you're just gonna have to forgive uh, any like random coughs that come through. Um, okay, so let's get into this. So today we're going to be talking about you. You did a LinkedIn post that was really interesting to me. So I'm going to set the story for listeners. Um, this is kind of like what made me want to reach out and and have you on. Um, so this is your first year at Metadata, and you got started late. Your first deal didn't finalize until yeah. month five, um, and you do this thing where you set a personal goal that's higher than the given quota that you have. And you were able to self-source 50%. So you, you, you are able to self-source 50% of all your deals uh, this yeah. year so far via Outbound. So that's we're going to be talking about that for the listeners. Um, but before we get into that, can you talk a little bit about what metrics or KPIs sales looks at at Metadata? Yeah. <clears throat> so that's a great question. Um, so we, we are a startup. We're scaling. Um, we've tripled maybe more than triple our sales team since I started. And um, at that point, we had just doubled our sales team. So we're, we're still evolving metrics. We're still adding metrics, right? We're still understanding what metrics we need to follow. Um, but many of them are, are, are just typical, right? What, what you're familiar with. So pipeline metrics, opportunities, size of opportunities, um, close dates. We have a ton of tools. We have a ton of dashboards. Um, we have, you know, uh, gong, we have, um, scratch pad, but my favorite <laughs> metric is, um, you know, the close one metric, right? How, what that number looks like, you know, for quarter to quarter, um, period of time. Um, that's the metric that drives me now in the past metrics that have, I thought were valuable, um, that I've used before are how many meetings, right? So what do meetings per week look like? Um, meetings per week, meetings per month. Uh, that's a good indicator of activity, your your output, and then you can kind of, you know your close rates. Uh, and then demos, I always felt was really important. Um, we're very lucky here. I think uh, our demos, the close rate is pretty strong. Uh, so getting to demo, 
is is huge. Uh, those are two metrics that I'm going to actually go to the team and say, hey, can we build out a report that shows meetings per, you know, discovery calls per week, uh, demos per week, because um, that would be helpful. But yeah, we're we're scaling. We're we're very data driven. At the same time, you know, we're still creating and, and developing metrics. We're not at the point where I'd say we've got it all fleshed out. Um, yeah, everything that we need. Um, but it's hard, you know, creating those reports is hard. I'll give you an example. We looked at a report for email sent and that should be pretty self-explanatory. And I had to ask, Hey, is this email sent through, through outreach or is this, you know, total email sent? Um, I did the math real quick and my platform and I, you know, I had sent like 500 emails through outreach, but I had sent like 700 emails total the last 30 days. So it, it's just little things like that, that, Hey, you know, where do we get the data? What data do we have um, that are tricky? But <clears throat> yeah, for any sales manager here, the more I think about it, that number of meetings, um, discovery calls, and then the number of demos is just really good way to tap into the health of the business. So the number of meetings and the discovery calls are sort of more, it sounds like, leading indicators you can control based on output. And you have fairly consistent close rates, so you know roughly, hey, if we do this yeah. much output, we're gonna get this, you know, this this many closed one deals or drive this much ARR. Uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, and, and we have some similar metrics in Gong, um, but we don't have like just an easy way to go into Salesforce or whatever it might be and say, hey, you know, who's having. A lot of meetings right um and uh who's having a lot of demos we definitely don't have that with demos and demos are just you know that our close rate is high if we have a demo it's it's gonna the odds that it converts are very very high um but yeah yeah that's those are two that i would add those are two easy ones to add and you know if you're looking at opportunities it's almost like too late right you know if you're looking at opportunities it's, it's such a backwards looking metric um, in a lot of ways because you're looking at what happened, you know, stage two to turn it to stage three or, or whatever it might be to, you know, turn it to a close, right? And that's, that's it's, if you're freaking out about pipeline and it's second month into the quarter, um, it's too late. <clears throat> right. So, yeah. Now, as far as op- how, how are you defining opportunities? I know metadata's a slightly more niche product in that yeah. you're, you're, you market and sell to marketers in, you know, in B2B um, or maybe RevOps folks and maybe a few other uh, titles I'm not aware of. But yeah, how are you defining that opportunity? Is that really stringent or based on a bunch of quantitative stuff or are you fairly <clears throat> flexible with that? Man, uh, Jeremiah, that's a good question. So we create an opportunity as soon as like a meeting is set. Um, but I don't really think of an opportunity as until we, we have a demo schedule, um, you know, because you have that discovery call. A lot of it is qualification. Right. And there are companies that we can't sell to. I, I met with great guy. would love to work with them. Cool company, but they sell, it's, it's a CRM for hair salons. So they're dealing with, you know, small proprietorships and we just, it doesn't work. It's not good for us. They're, they're better off just using Facebook than using us to do b2b targeting right um and that's an example so that's not an opportunity but you know we let's say they sold to large salon supply companies right then this then we can say hey yeah it's an opportunity so that that's how i kind of think of it 
Um, I've worked with once they get to demos, that's an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Once you qualify them, well, once, once they're, they're qualified to the state, it it gets so tricky because there really are, (laughs) I don't even know how to quantify this. There's really like two funnels, right? There's the traditional, Hey, our sales cycle is 90 days and from meeting set to close, Everyone knows that sales cycle, but there's also the covert sales cycle where you're working bigger account and you've been nurturing this account or, or you met them at an event uh, or you know that they're using a competitor and the timing isn't right uh, and they have a two-year contract. Um, you know, that's a, a, a sales cycle that I've never really seen quantified. I've never seen it quantified, but a lot of my business comes from that sales cycle. It's not that 90-day, hey, there's an opportunity. Uh, so I'll give you an example. There's a large company. Um, that we've been working to get to. Um, we met with someone kind of mid-level junior, and it's going to take like another year for us to turn them into business. And I, I've I've met with their their VP, and their VP said, "Hey, the VP basically said we're we're creating their unique company, they, their data company. We're creating what you do. So like I got to get over that. I got to get over. I mean, there's a lot of dynamic hurdles that I have to." to is, is that an opportunity? Well, in Salesforce, yes, but maybe not. And there's other opportunities where, so there's another organization. I'm, I'm friends with the CMO. I'm friends with the CMO. So I want to, like, I've, I've texted him to, hey, let's catch up. Um, but I have to be cognizant because he's the CMO. He's so busy. And I don't want to, like, I value his friendship. So I don't want to be like, hey, that every day text him, right? Right. Right. No, I don't want to do that. So it's it is difficult. Yeah, it is difficult. But I I would say, getting back to what we're talking about, you know, what is that opportunity? Um, it, let, let's going to demo is is what I'll consider an opportunity because our close rates are high and that's that's business that can be had. But it sounds like there's these these outliers that are sort of always on your mind that are maybe more they don't fit within the traditional ninety day sales cycle. And there, oh, yeah. there are sort yeah. of these things that are you're keeping warm or on your plate or you're keeping follow up with and, and all of that, but they may not fit. But but for the purpose of uh, of like measurement within the CRM, you're you're looking at when they get to demo. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to, you know, we all report to revenue if you're a public company, you know, series A, series D, we report to revenue, those covert pipeline deals. Um, you know, you don't want to show that to the board. <laughs> you don't want to be the board and be like, well, D's friends with the, the CMO. Right, and right. Really another company. That doesn't mean anything. Um, if anything, that causes problems because they'll be like, why isn't he calling them every day? And, you know, like. Right. Because uh, there's so much nuance like you're bringing to that. That's a, This is a friend. This is a connection. You're not going to use them as like, you know, be super utilitarian with your relationship. Um, oh, yeah, it makes sense. He's a great, he's a great guy. I don't want to lose that friendship. He, who knows? He could be move on somewhere. You know, he could. You know, one of the two opportunities that I opened up were just simply reaching out to old contacts and saying, "Hey, congrats on the new job." You know, they're they're lucky to have you. The old place lost out. Like that's really it. And then one of them said, "Hey, can you sell me?" And the other one wrote, I don't have budget now, but we're, we're a fit. Get back to me. And I'm like, no, I reached out because I, I consider you a friend. I like I like you. <laughs> like yeah. I wanted to congratulate you. Like I don't care about the other stuff. Um, that happened twice in the last like two weeks, two or three weeks. So, um, But I, I think that often, you know, 
that's a, like how are you going to measure that? That how are you going to measure that metric? Yeah. Um, once somebody does, that'll be huge because we can <laughs> assign territories that way. And uh, but we're not, you know, that, that's some AI that someone's working on. Um, Maybe you guys are working. <laughs> we're not. I can confirm. We have some exciting stuff in the works, but not uh, not AI yeah. sales territories. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this. Uh, my last question before we kind of get into how you source these deals via outbound. We got a lot of interest about this on LinkedIn, I think, because, you know, the narrative yeah. is I, I've seen you respond to some other posts on don't send, you know, sales shouldn't send emails. And I was like, oh, Dee's going to talk about this. Um, but why do you set, I mean, not why this it's fairly obvious, but I want to hear more about you set personal goals at, in addition to your quotas yeah. and you always set them higher. Can you well, talk to me about that a little bit? So I don't, I don't always set them higher. I've, I've had instances where the territory is just bad and you know, you gotta be like, Hey, if, a couple of times if, if I come in with 80% of this, you know, management has to understand that what I'm dealing with. Right. Um, but for the most part, you know, I have a goal and I've been in sales long enough to know I've seen, I've had, you know, tiny quotas where they're really generous. I've had large quotas. Um, and I, I know where the opportunity lies and when you need a strike on that opportunity. So here at metadata, you know, we're, the product's great. I'm not going to talk about the product, but it's great. The marketing's great. The market's moving towards us. Um, you know, for all the talk of, you know, recession and layoffs, there's still a ton of money out there. And the, the economy could be buzzing and your your hot prospect could say, our budgets were slashed 50% or something like that. Like that's, right. you know, an age-old objection, um, which candidly, I have not heard. I have not heard anyone tell me personally. Maybe they're scared to, because I'll be like, so you still have budget? Right. Um, but I haven't heard anyone come back to me, oh, our budgets were slashed. Oh, we don't have any budget. Uh, you know, I've not heard that. Um, I heard that once from someone who was dodging me anyway, and I'm like, yeah, that's not an excuse. You're not getting away from me. Um, even that was kind of like offhand, like kind of sounded like an excuse, but I've not heard that. So, um, you know, for me, I see the opportunity. I know the benefits that come from exceeding that number, um, both in terms of, you know, not just sales, but just pride and, um, you know, internally, like, uh, you know, just getting having people say nice things about you and in trust with, uh, you know, maybe new accounts, you know, like if we ever went to an enterprise account model, getting on that enterprise team. Um, so that's been really important to me. And, um, you know, I, so that happened this year. I, I started last August, uh, the year before we were, I worked for Aberdeen for a uh, better part of 11 years and we were acquired by Spiceworks of Davis. And I put uh, an aggressive, goal by for my my year and I, I was at 60% of my year when I left um, so that that does you got to be careful with that because you'll drive yourself crazy you know right uh, I think some of that comes with experience but let, let's face it like how are our budget how are our quotas developed they're not developed bottom up right they're very rarely developed on they're top down so we have to hit you know our, our business unit our team our uh company has to hit 50 million well we have uh we need 50 reps in each of them to hit a million you know that, that's how they're created um they're not really created looking at okay what's the demand uh, and, and what does that look like and that's just the nature of the business um 
you know, I, I'm, I'm at, at, at the t- the term, you know, I'm at the, I know that and I'm at the place where like when someone leaves uh, on the sales team, I'm like, oh yeah, cool. You know, I, I will be, we'll be friends, but uh, <laughs> that opens up territory that, you know, um, we can start to go after. So is the personal goal sort of, it sounds like maybe it's more of a sanity metric. Like sometimes you'll, you'll make it higher than the quota if you know you can hit it or if you know the quota is low. But if you feel the quota is completely unrealistic, you'll might maybe set it lower than, than that, still aggressive for you and something to shoot for that you aren't know you can be proud of. But that keeps you from maybe being defeated, you know, feeling defeated if yes. the quota is incredibly yes. outrageous. So it sort of goes up or down as, as a, it's something that you set to always keep yourself uh, challenged, Absolutely. but, and, and sane. Yeah. And do that early, you know, look at, look at it early. Um, you know, someone gives you a 1.1 million quota and it's your first year and you don't have a lot of marketing support and you know, everyone's asking now how, how much of the team hit quota. Right. And you know, you look at last year, no one hit quota, just mark that down immediately. <laughs> so you don't drive yourself nuts. Um, and then, you know, you, we all have quarterly pipeline reviews. Usually the manager's mature enough to understand, hey, these quotas are just no one's hitting quota. Um, but, you know, you're going to have to use that to say, hey, look, I, I know I'm at 80% of quota. The team was at 80% of quota. T- only 20% hit quota last year. Like, let's be realistic here. Um, it's, you know, there is a lot more communication among sales you know, sales groups, um, bravado's done a great job of that, of kind of pushing back on quota, pushing back on some of these toxic things that are kind of with sales, right? You know, we all watch Gary Glenn Ross, you know, second place is steak knives. <laughs> After that, you're fired. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't work now. Uh, that just demotivates now. Sure. And, uh, yeah. And the market was hot too, man. Like all the bosses that did that lost, their employees. I, I know of a CRO that uh, had 80% turnover. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, what What was the style, right? Well, you know, legacy steak knife style. Yeah. So let's get into, um, so this, when you went to hit this quota, you're, so this has been your first year. Um, yeah. Like I said, your, your first deal didn't finalize until month five. Um, how did you go about sourcing this? So you said 50% of all the deals were sourced yep. via outbound. Was that outbound among the team or outbound among you? Uh, me. Yeah. So I originated the so 13 deals, six of the deals I originated. And that was, you know, this, a lot of that is just logic, man. A lot of that is, hey, this organization would be a good fit because... Um, and then using that to reach out. So, you know, I, I really, personalization has to be authentic, right? So I have, you know, you're, you live in Philadelphia, right? If I reached out out of the blue and said, Hey, Oh, you're, you're, you're a Phillies fan. That's cool. Like you'd be delete. This is pathetic. Um, cause that's not personal enough. You're saying <clears throat> that's something no, it, anybody can find. Yeah. Yeah. But let's say, you know, you went, don't know where you went to school, but you went to Temple and, you know, my sister went to Temple, you know, but I, I've used it before. They, they went to University of Georgia. Half my family went to University of Georgia. 
Um, you know, that is something that you can use. Or let's say the Phillies won uh, the, the World Series and we chat, hey, man, I guess the Phillies won it. I'm sure you're partying. I remember when the Red Sox won. Or I remember when the Red Sox lost the ACLS and everybody at the bar was crying. You know, that that's more original. But that still doesn't get to any business pain. So, you know, logic is better, right? Uh, someone reached out to us, actually, and, you know, it was actually a pretty good email. They said, hey, I see your, your team has grown from, like, 10 to 40 over the last six months. Uh, is is paying commission a pain? And I was like, yeah, that's a good email. I would do that. Are you starting with um – I mean, so I've worked, I've worked obviously a little bit with sales. I'm, I'm in marketing, so I'm, I'm yeah. aware of like some of the generalities, but walk me through like, do you, is, is, are you being handed a fairly clear ICP and then you're able to go into zoom info or, uh, Apollo or some tool like that. And you're downloading a list of these companies, then you're finding them. Like, how are you? Start me at the top. How are you finding yeah. the people that make a good fit for you? Are you doing it on LinkedIn? Are you doing it using a tool? Are you going to their website? Um, so we are working on accounts now. Uh, it's been challenging. Uh, there's no way around it because, you know, you scale from 8 eight to 40. Uh, and all Salesforce data is bad. I think, you know, we, we relied on Salesforce data and never rely on Salesforce data for anything for anything, because <laughs> uh, it's just so bad. The biggest tool is CRM, of course. It, I just said CRM is bad, but you can look at history, notes, etc. Um, and then Sales Navigator is huge. LinkedIn in general, because that that see all activity. I mean, that's a treasure trove of they like this, they like that, they worked here, they just got hired, they just got laid off, you know, things like that. What are they worried about? Um, and then, you know, selling to marketers, they tend to be, sales and marketing tend to be a little bit more vocal on mm. LinkedIn. But, I mean, you know, I, I share this with you, ThoughtSpot, their customer, but I met with them seven years ago. I was a guest at their events because at the time they were marketing, they still do, but they market around search analytics, right? So, you know, you just Google the Googlefication of analytics. And I reached out referencing another search analytics company that nobody liked working with and was acquired by Oracle and wasn't real search analytics. And I said, Hey, you guys are trying to change the game. And that started a relationship where, you know, we did business together, but still close with their CMO. And, uh, I was, they paid for me to go to their event two years in a row. You know, it was, it, it started that. So that under, you know, that, what's the more of the story, that logical understanding of the business is often a lot more beneficial than, you know, doing something silly personal, you know, putting a meme together. Right. So, is, um, so you're okay. So if you, you find a company, let's, let's say hypothetically, you found a perfect fit B2B company on LinkedIn. Uh, you then will be looking at some of the things sales and marketing is saying, and you will put together a sort of narrative or a story of the stage that they're at, problems that mm. they're working through, things like that. Is, is that like it? And then you like, is your messaging when you reach out around showing how familiar you are with their struggle and how metadata can help? Or are you doing any, or like where, you know, you're, so you're saying personalization, if you're going to do it, has to be really personal. Like, Hey, my family went to Georgia Tech. Well, it has to be authentic. Personalization has to be authentic. I, I think the best way to think of it is 
you know, quickly within a minute, what information can I find on the business? And is there a logical connection there that ties it back to the value my business can deliver? Sometimes, no, right? Sometimes you look at a profile, they don't post anything, you know, it's, it's a legacy business, you know, or, or, and at that case, what information, you know, their role, you know, what they're trying to do, everybody's trying to build more business, um, you know, what they're struggling with and you just can that and you can reuse that, that can messaging. So, you know, there's, if there's a, a business challenge that I know that they have, or there's an industry challenge, or if there's a connection, it's really easy to just go through those and then it can, can a response to that and recycle that response. But if it's, there isn't one, it's really easy to can, I know in their role. So performance marketers, they're busy doing busy work all day because I'm not going to get into it. It's really easy to say, hey, you know, I'm sure you're busy. Um, you know, a new CMO, like, hey, they brought you in to, to change things, right? To increase the KPIs, um, to, to hit KPIs. And it's, it's just really easy to do that. I, I do think a lot of time is wasted on personalization. Uh, I do think the fluffy, you know, stuff, we had someone make a video of a rapping dog and no one ever looked at it. Um, you have to remember email <laughs> wait, security. Yeah, yeah. Was, wait, so someone, uh, so someone was prospecting or reaching cold outbounding to you and they just made a video of their dog rapping or no, this was like a YouTube video? One of my colleagues, like, it had a picture of their dog and it was like animated to make it look like it was rapping. Okay. And it must have taken like over an hour. <laughs> um, and then, you know, think about the, like, first of all, we're probably looking at it on our mobile device. Like odds are, I think like most, most is when I read most is on mobile devices, but email security is through the roof. Like, so you got to get through email security out of spam. Like most, most emails default to don't download images. So when I when I used Outlook, we had primary and like non-primary. So anything that wasn't <laughs> anything that was automated went to non-primary, and we never got images. Like we never got images. So if you sent a picture, I didn't see a picture. If you sent a video, I didn't see a video. Um, so you have to remember that too. Like like it, it's not worth going overboard <laughs> right. on, uh, on some of this. Like a wrapping. Like why would you spend two hours on a wrapping dog? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so basically your approach is you'll, you'll find this person, this, this ideal fit person, if they're making, if there's enough chatter and information about them, well, first you'll start with looking, make sure metadata can solve the problem so that the yeah. outreach is authentic and you really are trying to help. Yeah. But then the next stage sounds like if they're giving enough info that you know you can do real personalization what you're defining as like real authentic uh personalization like yeah we like we had family go to school whatever yeah. then then you'll use that and that maybe is effective otherwise you won't bother slowing down and trying to personal personalize yeah. and instead exactly. you'll just kind of go right for how the business can help and if there's really really no info and then you're just you've just you know enough about the industry and the pains are trying to yeah. solve. You've got a canned message that they're that they're doing. Yeah, and it's you know don't sacrifice. What's a good way? Every you know everything is a judgment call, right? You know what? How much time do I want to spend on this? Um, you know if it's not a big account and it's uh, you know maybe a marginal fit or if it's someone low level. 
you know, don't waste your time on, on, you know, ridiculous personalization. Don't make a wrapping dog video. Just send out the business email, right? And uh, like, I can't stress that enough. So we we had metrics, uh, like I shared metrics come by, and you know, who sent the most prospecting emails. I was up there. I was up there, and. I know all this stuff. I know a ton of people, but you know, volume. It's also a numbers game. Like you know, this whole twelve touches, da da da. Yes, but I can't tell you how many. You know, it's first or second email booked, right? You know, first or second email booked, or I email them for you know, two different periods, and they never get back to me. Like maybe it's not. Maybe the timing is not right. Maybe they're on their way out. Um, I, I've dealt with that. You're, why did I spend so much time on this person? They're on their way out. Um, you know, so, so you know, remember volume as well. Uh, and then it, look, industry to industry, it changes to, you know, IT, that, that CTO might be there for years, whereas marketing tends to be more fluid. Now, when you say like first email booked, is that one that you maybe have had the the benefit or the blessing of deep personalization you could use, or was that e- even sometimes on the on these canned messages? And the canned messages are just that good. Yeah, yeah. So just recently, I got compliments on outreach, and one was a canned message of it's just a canned message, right? I was just like, hey, da da da. Second email, first one that they read, booked. The other one was for all intents and purposes a canned email, but um, this company, they're a big sponsor of an F1 team and um, I referenced the F1 team in the subject line and fortunately he was an F1 fan but that was also really a canned email was, hey you know love the team like you know know you're you know you know you're trying to get value out of that sponsorship because I see you guys everywhere you know what if you could could leverage that what are what are important things in a, what makes a good canned email in your opinion? Not now that you've done this a while and in, and in a sales function, if, if you're going to make one that, so someone's listening to this episode and they yeah. want to take your approach and they say, okay, I'm done wasting hours trying to personalize unless there's something that's really authentic. If it's not authentic, I'm going to go to canned. What should they be trying to, what should they be trying to do in the can? What components does the canned email have? Yeah. So addressing the problem, people love to hear how hard their job is. Half a therapy, half a therapist work is by hearing how hard work is, um, how we solve the problem, and I think that's important because I see too many emails that are like, "What if you could double your your revenue?" or, or you know, "What if you could save time?" But it doesn't explain it. It's like that; those drive me nuts. Like I get those emails, and I'm like, I have no idea what you guys do. Like, tell, like, give me a sentence or two of how you'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Like some tech. Like personally, I, I would just love like in two lines explain exactly what you do, um, and then you know reference like customers and the benefits they've seen, and that's really it, you know. So what can the problem be? Um, you know, you sell Kubernetes, you sell security for Kubernetes. You know, it can be um, managing open source. It could be visibility. It can be time savings. You know, dealing. Tackling back to those is huge. And I, that's what I do. I have an email for time savings. I have an email for revenue. I have an email for um, um, activating intent. And I have you know all these canned emails because I know these challenges so well. Um, okay, so this is, this is cool. So you'll have, depending on the target audience you're sending to, 
if the pain changes, you'll adjust the can. So you have one canned email per pain that you're addressing. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And it, it does vary, right? So if you're reaching, you know, it's always kind of hard to reach out to VPs because they, to executives, I should say, because like, you know, what are they worried about? Um, they're worried about everything and nothing at the same time. Um, but those, you know, you can tackle revenue, right? You can tackle, for me, I can tackle revenue or, or cost. Um, but, you know, those those tactical roles, right? Like, you know what they're, they're working on. You know what they're suffering with. Um, you know, you, you know what they're dealing with every day. Uh, like the, the security analysts, you know that it takes them an hour to get the data. It takes them days to get the data, and then it takes them an hour to clean the data, and then it takes them, um, you know, a, a week to find the anomalies, and then another week to analyze them. You know, you know those challenges there. Um, some of that, you know, some of the things helpful there too is brand. Like brand is hard. It's it's difficult, but you know, in security, CrowdStrike's hot. Everybody knows CrowdStrike right now. Their stock's been doing well. Like it makes it a lot easier to <laughs> to reach out as CrowdStrike than yeah, the tiny security startup. Um, I yeah, it's yeah. I found the same thing um, when at a prior company. You know, when we were just getting started with our podcast. We would try yeah. and say like once we had a couple like reputable names to show that the podcast, you know, wasn't yes. a joke. We would say these people have Absolutely. been on, you know, we want you to join among these people. And it was sincere, but it definitely, um, it definitely helped. Um, so you said, we know these pain, we know these pains are blank. Is this, is this, do you know these pains from just from putting in the reps and getting on the phone with them and from the sales calls and you're kind of, are you adjusting the the email the more you learn about this target customer or is marketing or sales handing you a brief when new sales folks join metadata and they're saying here's the five people we we serve with the five pains that they feel mm-hmm. like how is yeah. that how are you how are you finding that so i i've been selling to marketers for a while <clears throat> but you should you know any salesperson should quickly understand their differentiators um and then understand how to market, you know, prospect using those differentiators and sell to their differentiators because I'm a huge fan of the challenger sale. They talk about that. They talk about how challenging it is for most executives to state their differentiators. Um, but that's how you're going to, you know, that's how you're going to win the deal. I you know, over competition is a differentiator. So tying the differentiators back to that role, right? So for us, you know, we save time, um, we report to revenue, we activate intent you know, tying that back to the role is really important. So I don't know, like, look, not every sales team, not every sales organization is the same. Not every sales organization is sophisticated. So I think that's really on the sales rep to pick that up quickly um, and adopt that. And, you know, case studies are a great way to do that. You know, you can read case studies. You can go on G2 and read reviews and see that. Um, There's just some quick ways to get that. But, yeah, I don't think there's... (laughs) I don't think, yeah, it's so hard to know differentiators and let's be candid, you know, most organizations are going to come at you and say, this is how you message against differentiators. You know, I also want to share too is the medium. So uh, the state of outbound is really good. (laughs) Like there's so much outbound. Despite what LinkedIn might say. You know what's funny? Most of those are automated emails from LinkedIn that are coming from marketing. So boo-hoo on you marketing. Right. Um, uh, but this, you know, I was talking to our HR and she gets 
dozens of emails a day. She signed up for a client. She got a prospecting email from that client, which kind of teeved her off. Um, I call a lot. Like whenever I have a phone number, I call. And uh, that's hard, right? Calling is hard. Uh, but that's, you know, how I'm getting a lot of meetings. You know, I cold call and I started off with, I'm sorry, <laughs> this is a, a, a sales call. And, um, you know, you have to be careful because if you're just like, hey, how, if you just dive into like, you know, hey, are, are you, you know, how much of your time is spent on this or, or, or are you, no, no one on the phone is going to want to admit that they're struggling, right? They're not going to want to say, yeah, this is a real pain. No one is like, like someone called me and be like, Hey, Hey, do you have enough meetings booked this week? I'd be like, maybe, you know, <laughs> right. Right? right. Cause it feels like you're not doing your job or something. Yeah. There's just some human nature. Like even if they called you personal, personally, like, uh, you know, like a, a personal trainer was trying to sell you. And the first thing they asked was like, did you go to the gym as much as you wanted this week? You know, and you'd be like. I would never say uh, no. I'd be like, yeah, I went to the gym zero times. That's as many times as I wanted to go. Right. <laughs> like, right. So, um, you know, you have to kind of build trust there and start a dialogue. Um, Can I ask you when you were talking about differentiation? So that's a big component of it. Do you feel you were saying effectively say, your recommendation to salespeople is learn your differentiation? Maybe yes, sometimes, yeah. maybe sometimes. Uh, execs aren't even going to have it well articulated. So you kind of go, are you working? What's the collaboration like with that? In your opinion, with marketing, is it marketing's job? Is it product marketing's job, for example, or, you know, someone else in marketing's job to create differentiation language and hand it to sales? Is it sales job to create it because you're, or to do it in tandem, who, who in your opinion should own that? You don't have to necessarily address metadata, but in your opinion, no. between sales and marketing, who should own differentiation language? So I, not every organization is built the same, but ideally that story is coming from the CMO. Um, I know of a brilliant CMO for billion dollar. Like I, I really think highly of them. I think highly of all my, my executive friends. Like, they're smart and they're actually really good people. Executives get a bad rap, but CMOs, hey man, business, the CEOs I know, are, they're actually really nice. You're like, <laughs> they won't be crying on LinkedIn though. <laughs> um, you know, they've gotten, they've lost their jobs too. So, But uh, yeah. they're, they're driving that strategic narrative and along with that differentiators. So I, this is CMO I know of, he's creating the story and that's key to their marketing. Okay. That's going to be key to their marketing. So they should really be doing that. Now, not every organization has that sophistication or a good CMO like that. And then, you know, that could be down to product marketing. It could be down to, you know, whoever in the marketing pipeline. It could be down to sales. But that might be you. Uh, I mean, I, the organization I was at before, that was down to me. Um, now... So don't wait if you're if you're listening and you're in sales. In other words, don't wait for it to be handed to you. If it, if no one has it, go find Absolutely. it and you start using it. Absolutely not. And you have to like really look into. So let's use BI for example, right? I'm Tableau. Um, uh, Power BI. I'm Click. Um, you know, ThoughtSpot. Right? What are at the end of the day? I mean, for the most part, they're they're dashboards right. and reports. Right. Right. Like if you were to ask me to, the difference between ThoughtSpot, Power BI, and Click, 
I would I wouldn't know. Like I I wouldn't know. I would imagine that would be hard for someone on day one to know. Uh, but you have to find that right um, because you know if some some case, you know that that'll help you disqualify, but it'll also help you sell because that entire sale will be pivoted towards those differentiators. Because if you just say, "Hey, we have dashboards." Right. Nobody, nobody cares. Right. <laughs> you know this, right? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge believer in being willing to, you know, maybe I don't know that everyone necessarily needs to name competitors, but I am a huge believer in being able to know who you're for and who you're not and being yeah. not afraid to share that because, you know, Starbucks isn't for everybody. No business is no. for everybody. And so, you know, if I'm a local coffee shop, you know, that does artisan yeah. coffee, my pitch is going to be if yes. you want consistency, you can get with a mobile app across the country and the same yeah. thing every time that isn't the best, but it's yeah. completely consistent. Go with Starbucks. But if you love the best quality and you're willing to wait a little bit longer, you know, then, then use us. Right. I so, yeah. um, I feel I, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in the power of being able to know your differentiation and say who you're for and who you're not because ultimately i think it also leads to higher close rates better opt-in yep. because people are like okay you've told me who the options are for and i can decide then am i this am i a starbucks person or am i a backyard beans person you know local coffee yeah. shop near me so in the challenge sales the one sales book i recommend to everybody there's a lot of rah-rah sales books or sales books with questionable methodology um they use survey data, and they're big on that. They're big on pivoting to those differentiators, uh, because, because, like you said, you know, if you just want coffee, just go wherever is closest. But if you want, you know, if you know that your business is, uh, you know, I forget what it's called, like, you know, originated coffee, you know, like uh, small farm coffee and um, stuff like, you know, the, the, that'll get people in the door. And most of us have competitors that. Even if they don't do what we do, they say they do. Right. Um, yeah, and you know, we as a company policy, we don't talk bad about our competitors, but uh, like I, I, I get emotional about it because I know they're they're doing my <laughs> my clients wrong, and I have to bite my lip and be like, oh, I don't want to yeah. talk bad about them. But um, yeah, those differentiators are incredibly important, and it's that that feeds back into your outreach too. Yeah. Without a all right, I want to be respectful of your time. We're coming up on the hour, so I'm going to go through some rapid fire. I've got because I got a couple more. I think listeners will want to hear if you have a few minutes, but we'll do yeah, like rapid yeah. fire uh, questions. Um, okay, uh, so let me let me summarize. And f I, the first, my first question is: What is there anything else that we didn't cover on how you sourced 50% of these deals? So the summary so far has been. You would identify using LinkedIn or other tools, people who are a good fit, if they had things, if they were, if you could get info on them that led to true, authentic, unique personalization yeah. that was at the ready, you would, you would send personal outreach. If mm -hmm. not, you wrote, uh, you wrote canned emails that mm -hmm. addressed how hard the job was of that particular ICP, how you solve the pain and make their job easier. And then it would reference customers they would respect and be aware of and the benefits they yeah. saw from using you. And you would just default to canned. And then when you had a mobile number available, you would call and 
it, is there anything else that led th that you would do in that approach to, to drive 50% of? Yeah. yeah. So uh, something else is just being, <laughs> it's hard to quantify, just being a nice person, right? Like I have a lot of relationships that I've built just from being a nice person, right? Um, that's it, right? And being nice and showing intellect and, you know, continue to, to show that you value that person. Mm. And that keeps a relationship going and, you know, you'll, you'll meet them in person eventually and then eventually you'll get to the point where the timing is right and there's the opportunity to build a new business. Um, the way that I've done that recently is, you know, there were layoffs and I've helped people get jobs. I've, I've promoted them. I've said, hey, I know someone and there's at least one person that I recently helped get a job, I think. Um, you know, at the pandemic, I was meeting with people every day just to say, hey, how can we get you jobs? And, you know, I'd be like, I might not have a job. Um, so that's, that's a really great way to source deals um, is just being nice and helping people. Uh, the other, th you know, cold calling, I'd recommend. The other thing is, um, so if you sponsor an event, you have a booth, your competitor's booth's bigger. Um, everyone on the floor is a vendor salesperson. If you go to an industry event, right, the, the buyer's probably going to be there and you're not up against competitors and you can have these one-on-one -on -one educated conversations. Um, so that's another way to great way to search deals. So, you know, for you all, you sell to sales and marketing, right? Um, you have a lot of customers. We'll pick on security again. You go to Black Hat <laughs> and you meet with people at Black Hat instead of saying, we're going to sponsor Dreamforce and that's going to cost us a fortune. And, you know, we'll have a little cubicle. That might not be the best way. So th those are some other great way to source deals. But, um, yeah. Primarily. There? Yeah, I love it. Um, like, like we, like we'll be friends. Like we LinkedIn made us friends. Like I'll check on you. I'll say, Hey, how's your son doing? You have another kid, you know, I'll send you a gift. I'm just warning you. <laughs> um, maybe not that fifth kid, but, um, you know, and, and we'll know each other. I'll be in Philly and I'll be, Hey, let's hang out. Or you'll be here in Boston. And, uh, you know, that relationship one day you'll be, you have your own podcast company and fortune 100 clients and, I'll be able to recommend you business. You know what I right. mean? So that's, that's huge. Yeah. I think, I think, um, that, that is like a really, a really powerful component of it. Tied to that, my, my next rapid fire question is going to be how important you're, you're pretty active on LinkedIn. Uh, how have you seen that be beneficial? Is that something you'd recommend salespeople do? Like I would imagine here, here's a parallel. If I'm going to do I think about de demand gen or demand yeah. creation in terms of paid and organic, right? So organic demand gen for me would be yeah. using the brand's handle on LinkedIn or Twitter like we are for getting our point of view, differentiation, valuable education to our ICP out there. But that's going to take time, right? That's something Chris Walker talks a lot about. Like you're, you're talking like six, eight, 12 months for a lot of brands to build up momentum building demand organically there. So then, you know, we want to do paid to get there faster, let's say, and we, you know, we do LinkedIn ads and we do something around our differentiation or the pains that we solve. Yeah. You know, uh, and that way, I think it's way more beneficial to invest in organic, even just a little bit before beginning yeah. that, because if they see your ad, 
and they're intrigued to learn more about you and they mm -hmm. clicked on your business page on LinkedIn or the, on your Twitter bio or whatever, they're going to see that you've at least got a little bit like a base of content that you're sharing thought leadership, that you're really giving to the community. And it's, it's this subtle psychological perspective, I think of, oh, this isn't like just outbound email or like cold email or, or an ad. They are also doing this other kind of generous, like per, they're a human or they're a, you know, a human sounding brand and they're participating yes. <laughs> in the community. That would be my, that would be my guess. Yeah. Do, that's a long-winded question, but do you feel your posting on LinkedIn has benefited some of this outbound that you've done? Yeah, absolutely. We talked about brand. Our, our we got a great marketing team: um, Brittany, Mark, Jason. Uh, they <clears throat> they handle company brand. Um, I what I post on LinkedIn, they they all tell me we have a podcast and we need to promote or we have an event and. I don't put a lot of effort into those. I post primarily because it's fun, man. <laughs> you know, it's fun to engage and share a thought or share an experience um, or comment on something. Just reach out to someone and say, hey, man, hope you're doing well, thinking about you. Um, that's fun. So it, it has led to business. And I think my just try to have fun with it comes off as authentic because, like <laughs> – if I'm posting about metadata or our differentiators every day, it gets old. It's yeah. really old. So there's a, a – I love Refine Labs. They have the best team. I love Chris Walker. I, I, I love uh, uh, Sydney Waterfall. Um, you know, they post – like they're long and they're about like what they do usually somehow. And – you know, I get, it just gets kind of annoying, <laughs> right? Like, you know, just like, that's cool. But like, right. You know, tell me about something that didn't work. Uh, you know, tell me about like, Hey, you know, met, you know, met with so-and-so. Um, but I do understand conversely because there's another agency there. I love, I love this team too. And they're always posting kind of like the personal met with my old buddy or, you know, we had an offsite or, you know, the kids are what it's all about. And it's like, it just feels, it's like, it, mix it up, guys, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, um, but it, it's hard. You know, you're going to annoy people. Feel free to take breaks. Sometimes I'm like, I'm not posting anything today. I'm not posting anything this week. Um, but that definitely builds business. I think the authenticity is there. And, and you know, there, there's nothing, people talk about the personal stuff, but there's nothing wrong with, you know, Hey, my, my kid turned, your son turns three. You'd be like, hey, my son turned three. Looking forward to this year with sharing that. Um, I like the personal stuff. I like personal milestones. Per, like, I just, I love babies. So <laughs> anytime anyone has a baby, I'm like, I, lo I love seeing it. Um, and then, you know, it, it's weird. The post I did about my year anniversary got a lot of engagement, but the, the post that got the most engagement was Salesforce was going to have a streaming service. <laughs> and I made a joke about, you know, Salesforce, the Netflix of Salesforce. And I got like 40,000 views. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you know, whatever. Right. Like, so um, and the, it was to a link. It, it wasn't like I put link in comments. So go figure. Um, but yeah, just be, you know, authenticity is so rare. And you look at, you know, YouTube and TikTok and who do the kids navigate towards, right? You know, who do they 
they go to? Who do humans go to? They go to the authentic people. So if you just keep it authentic, whether it's about your family or whether it's about business or something like that, that gets a lot more yeah. engagement. No, I agree. I think, um, <clears throat> I agree. I, I, you know, I love Refine Labs. I love, there's, I mean, there's a lot yeah. of really like brilliant, brilliant content, but I agree. If all you're doing is, um, you know, saying like a lot of times you do run into folks where it might be this person or that person or that brand. You're like, right, I get it. Like, this is what you believe. This is what every post is about. And I agree with you, you know, but yeah, there's, there's different ways to, to target that. Yeah. I just think that's really important. I think it like, if you, if I hadn't had this call with you, but you had cold messaged me on LinkedIn, I would be like, I've seen that avatar. I may not have like had a conversation with D, but I know he's like part of the community and that's a wild difference to me responding to your email. So yeah, when you reached out, I was like, oh, I get to meet with Jeremiah. That was my my instinct. It wasn't like I get to self-promote or, or do this. Right. All right, last question. This is from a, uh, I was going to say a listener, but really someone on LinkedIn asked <laughs> this question. Is Outbound considered marketing sourced or sales sourced? Uh, ooh, man, that is a tough question. How do you handle it in uh, metadata? Who, who, do, who owns Outbound? So we have... We have a great marketing team, so we do get inbound leads. We have an SDR team. Um, outbound should definitely fall under sales. End of story. Um, because we are, we because we do the calling. We we're we're sourcing it. Let's be real. And um, even with the SDR, we're under a pod system where you know I'm trying to tee them up or, or strategizing. You know, I'm managing them for lack of a better term. Um, so yeah, it should definitely absolutely fall under sales. Uh, now marketing gets credit for brand, gets credit for content that they share. Um, if you're using metadata, maybe you're getting a thousand inbounds a month like we do. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, if you're, you're outbounding, I, I can't stress the importance of outbounding enough in sales. I don't care who you are, right? You need to be able to engage the prospect on their own terms with a message that relates to them and they want to work with you. So what's the company called? Um, I think Flexport or something. They close a million dollar deal, multi huge deal, multi-million dollar deal. And it was done over meeting for dinner in Miami just before the pandemic. And I'm like, you know, we can do, <laughs> you can't replicate that, right? You can't, you can't replicate that. Um, and we have to find ways to, to replicate that, uh, digitally and, and, and scalable. Yeah. So yeah, it should be under sales. Cause if I close a million dollar deal over dinner, that's not going to marketing. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, this has been a great conversation. It's been really fun to talk with you. Um, thanks for going, yeah, thanks for going a little bit long. Obviously you are a good example. All the listeners should go follow D on LinkedIn because, uh, no matter what you think about outbound, it works because you know, the results I already, are, normally we say, what were the results of this, but I already disclosed them. You self-sourced 50% of mm-hmm. all your deals via outbound. You drove significant ARR through that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and that, it works. That goes to funding and that goes to these other things. And, um, you know, you also meet cool people, <laughs> like, uh, like, 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 I want to go to, I've been meaning to go to Philly candidly because I have friends there and there's a lot of history there. But like now, you know, 
<laughs> I feel like I have to make it happen because I yeah, told you. Yeah, like, we have to get a beer no. now. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it's, but yeah, yeah. It's it's good. And and then you know those metrics that we talked about, the meeting set and the demos. You'll see that quick. So if you do outbound and you double the amount of meetings you have each week and you double the amount of demos you have each month, you'll see that quickly, and that'll feel good when you do pipeline review. And I think this is an important interview for up and coming sales folks to listen to because um, not everyone has the benefit of metadata's marketing team. You know, like your marketing team is good. The product is good. Um, People like the product. And I think, you know, if, if, if you don't have that or you're early, this is just a way like in order to drive pipeline, you're going to have to get used to. So yeah, I think there's a lot of good lessons people can learn from you in here. I'm going to sneak in one more question. I have two questions I'm torn between. One is what is your advice for up and coming sales folks? And two is what do most people get wrong about outbound? So first advice is two things. Uh, Read the challenger sale front and back multiple times put cliff notes in that you can easily access on your desktop that's the best sales book period uh and it still relates and it was written during the great recession so that stuff's you know evergreen um and then work hard man like sales can be so lazy when i first started i was getting my mba and i was in the office you know 8 30 I'm not a early riser. I had to commute. And then I was in the office till six every day. And I thought about work constantly. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, take vacations and don't let it affect your spouse and your family relationships. Um, and then what do people get wrong about outbound? It's two things. One is people think most outbound stinks. And that's not true. It's not true. Most outbound is really good. Um, what most people get wrong is especially younger folks, is that the phone doesn't work. Phone is hard. There's not a lot of phone numbers. Everyone's working from home. You're going to get hung up on. You're going to mess up a voicemail. But it definitely, definitely works. Mm. You have to meet your prospect on their own terms. D, thank you for this uh, awesome conversation. And uh, we really appreciate you sharing everything. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.